Welcome to Between Two Barrels, a twice-weekly podcast recorded at Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery. Between Two Barrels is a show that highlights legends of all shapes and sizes from across the state of Tennessee, from the queen of country Dolly Parton to the elusive Tennessee Wildman, from our head distiller to our legendary staff and products. On this show, you will learn some terms of the alcohol industry, as well as learn some awesome recipes for food and cocktails alike. Join us as we journey through the volunteer state to bring you stories of legends that involve the beautiful state of Tennessee, from country music as well as rock and roll royalty, cryptids, distillery origins, carbonated beverage beginnings, and everything in between. This show truly highlights what makes a legend a Tennessee legend. What's up, legends? Welcome to another episode of the Between Two Barrels podcast. I'm your host, Opie, and joined via satellite due to weather, the manager, the co-host, Bilo. What's up, B? We're coming to you today live from on the scene where all of this terrible... I'm sorry, I just had to do that. Um, No, it definitely is snowing for sure. me and where I'm currently positioned mm-hmm. uh, concerning our employees is um, probably one of the first to get any of the weather after uh, both Nashville and Cookville get it. Um, as the way weather typically tends to go, it's either west to east or south to north or, you know, some variance of those two directions. Very rarely is it going the opposite direction. Unless it's hurricane season and something's pushing yeah. inland. But yeah, uh, all three locations, uh, as we are recording today, are closed. Hopefully, as you are listening to this tomorrow uh, on the air date, which would be January the 16th, 2024. Um, hopefully, some, if not all, of the locations will be open back up. But like I said, as we are recording this on Monday, um, all Four of our retail locations are closed mm. due to, um, I don't want to call it snowmageddon because I don't know if we're going to wind up getting anything worse uh, before it gets to spring and summertime yet again here in East Tennessee. Um, but speaking of the weather, uh, what better way to continue staying warm uh, than by adding some of our seasonal cream, the peppermint mocha, to your coffee, your hot chocolate, anything like that, uh, as it is snowing outside. Mm-hmm. And before too much longer, uh, we will be moving into the spring-summer season and our new spring-summer season. Well, can't say new, uh, just a reprise uh, spring-summer seasonal, and that is going to be the blueberries and cream, which should be available in stores as early as March 1st. Awesome. Our spirits are definitely a good way to Keep yourself warm in these cold times. I myself like to put the dirty cream with a cup of coffee whenever I'm not working, obviously, on my days off. Uh, And it's just fantastic. Today being snowy and cold and wintry, almost non-essential places are closed down. 
schools were already closed because it is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, but I would imagine that this will keep them closed tomorrow as well. Uh, uh, yeah, we got this will probably from, freeze. Yeah, we got word from uh, one of our managers, uh, Emily, over at the Nashville location. Uh, Nashville store or schools are already uh, closed through Wednesday at this point, as it wow. stands. Um, not sure about the plateau there in Cookville. Um, they're typically used to dealing with this stuff a bit more. Yes. Um, so I'm sure they'll be back to a sense of normal within the next coming day or so. And I'm sure the same thing is going to happen here in Sevier County. Um, in terms of a lot of uh, additional businesses, but I'm sure school and stuff will be canceled or at least uh, delayed, if nothing else, tomorrow for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so on the last episode, we talked about the history and some of the legends of women's suffrage. And uh, it was a great episode. Learned a lot. I learned I learned a lot of new names in that last episode because in our history, really, Susan B. Anthony is the name you hear mostly. Right. Um, but hearing oh, about yeah. Mott and some of those others, uh, those other names, it really kind of showed like, wow, this has been a, a battle well before we were a country. So, yes, yeah, so about to say, I mean, just for that reason, it's a situation where um, it's it's a tale as old as time. Uh, if you want to do a Disney quote right off the mm. bat in this episode, I guess you could say. Um, just because the women and, you know, men fighting for the rights of women has been something that has gone on for a long, long time. And it is something that definitely did not originate in the united states like uh, a lot of people would have you mm -hmm. believe in in some capacity uh it goes on and has gone on all over the country uh, and still to an extent in some areas still continues to this day yeah. definitely a great episode and there are some tie-ins with this episode to women's suffrage um because yeah. the person that we're going to be talking about today um was actually a person in the united states who brought everything to a boiling point um and then eventually was able to help tip the scales uh in favor of having the constitution ratified to of course allow not only women the right to vote uh on any and all topics but also including women of color too mm -hmm. And that person that we are talking about as we were recording on January 15th today is uh, his birthday, which is why yes. today we are discussing Martin Luther King Jr., um, a a pioneer for civil rights in our society, um, and just a, a legend amongst legends. Uh, no matter who you talk about, you know, you talk about different legends in the country, different history makers, different uh, trailblazers and game changers. And MLK Jr.'s name will always pop up because the work he did and the movements he created uh, really got us on a path closer, I'm not going to say to enlightenment, to just a little bit better world. Now, we're still in this day and age where we are still racially divided. Uh, no matter what people want, you to think that it's all over and it's all dandy just because of the actions of Martin Luther King and 
Malcolm X and and marchers and and civil rights activists like them. Uh, no, even today in twenty twenty four, we still fight. You know, prejudices and racism and xen xenophobic things all over the world and all over our country. So, while he did do fantastic things, we are still fighting the fight that he fought. Um, and just hopefully moving forward, there's more of, uh, you know, unlike we said in the last episode, a lot of people would look at Brian and myself speaking for and in support of marginalized people uh, as, as odd or weird or, you know, mind your business or, but just like for women, we are also, um, supporters of people of color and, Equal. Oh, absolutely. So we wanted to not just celebrate, but continue having this, this tough conversation of these people who have made these changes. But even the fact, even though they have made the help make these changes that in 2024, we still see this battle happening day in and day out. Um, but one of the things we are definitely going to talk about is the man himself. Uh, as I said, born today, this date in 1929, which is why we celebrate this date, uh, he was born in Atlanta. Uh, however, he was born Michael King Jr. to parents Michael Sr. and Alberta King. Uh, King Sr. Yeah. was actually a Baptist minister. Yeah, uh, in 1934, the church sent uh, Martin, or at that time, Michael King Sr., uh, on a multinational trip, including uh, going to Berlin for the Congress of the Baptist World Alliance. Um, while he was there, he visited sites in Germany that were associated with the Reformation leader Martin Luther. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Martin Luther, in terms of the uh, Reformation that he led, was trying to reform the way certain things were done in the church at that time. And it was after uh, King's return that he decided to change his name from Michael King to Martin Luther King Sr. And thus his son, as we know it, to Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. And it was from a very, very early time that uh, religion was a major influence uh, that was found early and often as to be expected in Martin Luther King Jr.'s upbringing um, from both uh, parents, of course, to be expected with his father being a Baptist minister, uh, his grandfather having also been a minister as well, um, but his mom, grandma, all the time telling him different Bible stories and things like that. And I'm glad that you actually mentioned uh, Malcolm X just a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Because that's something that I'm going to wind up bringing back up whenever we get into uh, modern pop culture influences that the two of them have uh, a little bit later on. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, but uh, King Jr., um, at a very young age, became friends with a white boy whose father owned a business across the street from his home. Uh, in September 1935, when the boys were about six years old, they started school, and King had to attend, of course, a, at that time, a school for black children, which is called the Young Elementary, Young Street Elementary School, 
uh, while his friend went to a separate school for white children only. Soon afterwards, the parents of the white boy unfortunately stopped allowing King to play with their son, stating to him, we are white and you are colored. When King relayed this to his parents, they discussed with him the history of slavery and racism in America up to that point, which is hard to imagine a parent trying to explain it to their kid at that point in time, whenever it's, you know, as it's not as bad, but it's still something that's terrible that, that people have to explain today. Um, which uh, King Jr. later would go on the state and made him determine at that point in time to hate every white person. However, his parents, uh, grandparents, instructed him that it was his Christian duty to love everyone. Mm. Uh, King went on to witness his father stand up against segregation and discrimination uh, multiple times. And one particular instance, uh, when stopped by a police officer who referred to uh, King Sr. as boy, as often uh, happened during the, uh, well, anything pre-60s, 70s, which still even happened then and still happens today, is uh, referred or, or said in a negative connotation to people of yeah. color. Um, King's father responded sharply that King was a boy, uh, referring to King Jr., but that he was a man. And when King's father took him into a shoe store in downtown Atlanta, the clerk told him they needed to sit in the back, at which point King's father refused, stating, we'll either buy shoes sitting here or we won't buy any shoes at all before leaving the store. And then he told his son afterwards, I don't care how long I have to live with this system, I will never accept it. And then one of his first full introductions, King Jr.'s introductions, into um, um, the the different actual acts of like marching and, and protesting and stuff like that was in 1936 when his father led hundreds of African-Americans in a civil rights march to the city hall in Atlanta to protest voting rights uh, discrimination. And then he later remarked um, that his father, of course, was a real father to now, now, in high school, King became known for his public speaking ability with a voice that had grown into an a, a rotund baritone. He joined the school's debate team um, on April 13th. I mean, just some early, yeah, just some yeah. early uh, uh, introduction into the the... Public speaking, especially if you're going to be on a debate team, oh, you're gosh. going to have to, you know, develop the ability to be able to speak. I don't know if you had done uh, mock trials or anything like that. At you any know, point my uh, my forensics teacher tried to get me into it in high school because I was a theater kid. So she thought since I was a theater kid, I'd be great at forensics, which is like after dinner, dinner speeches, debate prose speech giving now there are some things like dramatic and humorous interpretation skits you can do like my senior year my brother was a freshman and we did push you into a life of politics yeah like. yeah and i was like just because i'm a theater kid does this is different this is a different world like you're pushing me into what you consider 
competitive theater. And that's not why I do theater. It's to create, not compete. So I don't think I've ever heard of debate being referred to as competitive, competitive theater. theater. But that's, that's, what it is. that's a really good, yeah. Yeah. So we did a mock thing my senior year. And I had a debate against my friend Andrew. No matter the topic. Like even if I agreed with the topic or disagreed with the topic I was given. I had to pick I had, was given a side and I had to debate it. And I can't remember what the topic was, but Andrew started out and I actually agreed with Andrew's side personally. And this was the first sign that to myself and to everyone, it's like, uh, he's not really a debater. <laughs> it's just because right. Andrew starts off and he's he's got this beautifully constructed, well worded, well themed opening kind of like uh as if mcconaughey went first in a time to kill and i just looked at him and i looked at her and i went i seed he's right (laughs) she just went no you're supposed to debate the antithesis i went no i mean that was that was beautifully put i agree um i don't believe my side uh so i can't debate something i don't believe and she was like, sit down. I was like, what? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I can't fake right. this. I'm not going to debate something I don't believe in. I was like, and that's just who I am. I, I was like, I, we, and I, I remember saying to her, we already see on TV too many people having to debate things they don't believe in because of a title they own. And that was the day that I realized, I was like, most of what you see on TV, on both sides or the other of the of the politic, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, some of them probably don't believe half the stuff they're saying, but they know their right. base does. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not that kind yeah. of person. I can't. If I don't believe it, and I ain't going to fight for it. So, but yeah, um, they tried. I'm just not. I'm just not into debate. I'm just like, all right, you're passionate. You win. <laughs> how about any kind of actual public speeches oh yeah now that i did do i have multiple awards um from middle school and high school in 4-h and beta club and modern woodman i, I was a, i was an orator okay well i mean uh, there's one thing that you had uh in your favor mm-hmm. uh above dr king because he did not uh, give his first public speech, which was, of course, during an oratorical contest mm-hmm. uh, until April 13th, 1944, which would have been in his junior year. Yeah, yeah. And now, that, uh, that, now, this this was uh, uh, during, during the junior year in high school, uh, Morehouse College, an all-male historically black college that King's father and maternal grandfather had attended, in 1944, aged 15, King passed the examination and was enrolled at the university at 15. Yes. I hated school too much. That's, that's too early for college. Yeah, he wound up going on uh, to play freshman football, believe it or not. Uh, little known fact, I had no idea until doing research for this episode. Um, that Martin Luther King Jr. played football wow. uh, um, 
the summer before his last year at Morehouse before going to the university. Uh, and then later on, of course, in 1947, uh, later on chose to, excuse me, uh, enter the ministry yeah. at that point in time. Wow. Wow. Now, in March so, of 1955, Claudette Colvin, a 15-year-old black schoolgirl in Montgomery, refused to give her birth, birth seat to a white man in violation of the terrible Jim Crow laws, local laws in the southern United States that enforced racial segregation. Nine months later, on December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks was also arrested for refusing to give up her seat on a city bus. The two incidents led to the Montgomery bus boycott, which was urged and planned by Edgar Nixon and led by King. Yeah, so this is one of our biggest time jumps um, mm -hmm. that's going to be in this episode, of course, going through what would be his uh, formative years, more formative years between Morehouse and then going to college at that point in time. And like I had mentioned earlier in the uh, episode uh, and uh, reiterated as you were going through, both his father and grandfather had both attended Morehouse uh, and both wound up becoming or going into the ministry. So it was almost destined for him to wind up mm. doing the same thing, and which he, of course, uh, fully did. Um, but, of course, he would go on to receive a doctorate. There were several studies that he wound up going into. One, of course, uh, and his main focus, one of his main focuses being uh, history, believe it or not. Um, but several other subjects, including social sciences and stuff like that, which, of course, all paved the way for him going into becoming this this political figurehead uh, as he were and as you learn uh, in this uh, these two people that refused to give up their their bus seats um, led to the Montgomery bus boycott uh, and as you said uh, it was being urged and planned by Edgar Nixon um, but the face of this was wound up being, of course, Dr. King because he had already um, garnered during his time through school and his early years uh, doing several rallies and stuff like that, that he gained the notoriety that he needed to be able to take on such a monumental task at the time of leading the Montgomery bus boycott. And, and his role at that point just skyrocketed him and transformed him into a national figure because he had gone at that point in time from being just a, a, a local folk hero to now this, this nationally known entity. Um, and, and of course, becoming the best known spokesman of the civil rights movement. Mm. Mm -hmm. and it was the uh, of course the SCLC's 1957 prayer pilgrimage for freedom uh, and was the first time King addressed a national audience um, several years before he would go on 
of course, later on for, for his more well-known speeches. Uh, during that time, he organized and led marches for uh, Blacks' right to vote, desegregation, labor rights, as well as other basic civil rights. And most of these rights were successfully enacted into law with the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the 1965 Voting Rights Act, which, of course, does coincide with, as we mentioned before, and talked about in the previous episode, uh, women's suffrage, specifically getting into the uh, women of color. Now, as you know, uh, during this time, Dr. King managed to survive several assassinations attempts, as well as just minor jail times and inconveniences uh, uh, for petty things, uh, getting taken into jail for 24, 48 hours, getting released, uh, and then also having to actually spend full-fledged prison sentences uh, lasting extended months going into, I don't think any of them actually lasted more than a little over a year. I don't think any of them exceeded a two-year stand at any given point in time. Um, and even then, but, they were uh, just trying to dampen the fire. The, yeah, that's everything that was being done. I mean, you had your anti everything that he stood for, regardless mm-hmm. of what it was. Uh, it didn't necessarily have to be about racial issues, uh, but it was about uh, um, feminine issues. It was about you know uh, um, other political but non racial political issues. I mean, there were so many different things and so many different groups that were attacking him mm-hmm. uh, um, via via uh, uh, newspaper, via the media, but also directly, like I said, um, multiple assassinations attempts, uh, home bombings, stabbings, uh, uh, all kinds of things. And still managed to be able to get out in front of people with little to no security whatsoever. And and he still maintained through all this a sense of turning the other cheek or offering the other cheek. Sticking strongly to the, the religious upbringings that he wound up having that was instilled to him through his grandparents, through his parents, through his teachings and learnings, of course, as a young adult. Now, it wasn't until the uh, 1963 March on Washington uh, that most everybody remembers. As soon as you say Martin Luther King, everybody's going to sit there and say, you know, I have a dream. Yes. Uh, That, of course, is when the 17-minute-long I have a dream speech wound up taking place. And um, it was shortly thereafter, um, not long, uh, the next year in April, I believe it was. Uh, and this is honestly where, um, or sorry, no, four years later, five years later, uh, April, five years later. And this is how um, Martin Luther King is directly tied with the state of Tennessee yeah. uh, and the fact that unfortunately uh, he met his end in Memphis uh, on Thursday, April the 4th, 1968, whenever he was shot 
by James Earl Ray outside of hotel. Sad. So, yeah, very, very, I mean, apart from that, uh, the, the amount of, sorry for the dead air. I'm just trying to, to think about how to put into context and put into words, um, the amount of different organizations, people, uh, not of his own ethnic and or, you know, racial background that that was inspired then and still continues to be inspired today um, to, to make small as well as radical changes in how we perceive and go about difference of any capacity. Yeah. Um, I disagree wholeheartedly with so many people, um, whether it be their ability to eat onions, uh, their ability to like a certain superhero, their ability to vote for a certain politician where I never would. But to dislike and disagree with someone so heavily to kill them has never crossed my mind. Like, that's oh, the thing sure. about Ray and Lee Harvey Oswald, allegedly, uh, or right. the second shooter or whatever. These assassins at a base whether you believe that they were you know guided by a different hand or on their own intention um disbelieved and disagreed with him so much that they were willing to take a life JFK's assassination Martin Luther King Jr's assassination um the attempted ones on Reagan's life mean I disagree to a cellular level with a lot of people in this world. Uh, morally, politically, however you want to put it. But and never in a million years would I assassinate somebody. That's the scary right. thought about this is like someone disagreed with. There were so many people that it jailed him, uh, spoke out against him, you know, threw things at him. You know, pushed him, said terrible, awful things, and attempted to kill him. But, like, this person did the deed. Like, right. But, the, but then you kind of want to look at him and be like, do you... When you do something like that, you... End, sadly, sadly, it took the taking of his life to really launch the change that he set out to make. And it's kind and, of and, one of the things that Alexander Hamilton said once is um, creating a legacy is planting a seed in a garden you will never see grown. Right. Uh, uh, 
planting a tree that you know that you'll never experience yeah. the shade of. Uh, any any one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the fact that you know that you're there for the very beginning of it. Um, the Laying the foundation, whatever kind of metaphor uh, that you want to use, digging the hole or, you know, prepping for the roots, mm-hmm. a- anything that you know that you're clearing the path for something so much better to come on down the line. And, and of course the instant impact was felt. The impact is still felt today. Uh, and one of the things that I was going to be bringing back around is the influence on pop culture. Uh, and you mentioned earlier, uh, as far as Malcolm X, Malcolm X of course was the opposite extremist. Much like we have, you know, the the uh, Democrat Republican extremists or the far left wing, far right wing, mm-hmm. even amongst that demographic, um, they had dissension amongst themselves. Whereas Malcolm X wanted to take a by any means necessary approach. Mm-hmm. King Junior was still taking that, you know, love them regardless, kill them with kindness. If you're going to kill anything, kill them with kindness. Show that you're better than what people are saying that you are. And unfortunately, you're you're taking it in a different direction. And that impact is still seen today. You've got people of different ethnicities um, that are are still following that same mantra. Either the uh, we're going to be this way about it or we're going to be this way about it. We're either going to be you know, humble, respectful, uh, strong, but, you know, not show the sign of weakness that is yeah. uh, hatred, malice, and anger. Uh, but then you've got the the side that, that displays nothing but that. Um, and that same uh, 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 thing was shown in the first Black Panther movie. Yeah. Uh, as far as yeah. between Killmonger and uh, uh, T'Challa. Yeah. The fact that, you know, T'Challa, of course, being your King Jr., whereas uh, Killmonger would be more the Malcolm X type character, uh, it being portrayed in that sense. So, I mean, it still has an impact at, uh, today, um, mm-hmm. showing that dynamic, showing that aspect of how. Uh, two different people had a means of an end of means or a way of trying to do things and, and people can decide which way they want to go about it. Um, but ultimately, I mean, they're trying to achieve the same thing and that is be seen as equals and, mm-hmm. and not treated any differently. Um, uh, as far as an impact looking back, uh, as far as how that whole situation affected media, or never mind, we won't get into that. It sounded like you had something that you wanted to put in. Um, that, so it's 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 funny you make the the connection between Killmonger and T'Challa because actually, um, Stan Lee created uh, Professor Xavier and Magneto in that same sense. In the same sense of Doctor Martin Luther King Jr. And Malcolm X, they were meant to be complete mirror images of how 
Jr. handled racism and how Malcolm X handled racism. I mean, the mutants alone were created as a mirror to society's handling of uh, people of different colors and yeah. homosexuality. Like, he wrote these mutant stories mirroring what he was seeing in society. But instead of gay or straight or black or white, he was using mutants and non-mutants. And a lot of the stories he wrote in these comics are things he saw on the news of how mutants were being, of how blacks were being treated or gay rights were being treated. He just turned it into stories about mutants. So a lot of those stories were based in fact that he saw on TV. And so he created Professor X as the MLK and Magneto as the Malcolm X handling those polar opposite handlings of mutants. Kill them with kindness. There is a world where we can live together. Protect humanity so that we may grow together or destroy them. We're the fight them. Fight them back. Yeah. You know, if they want to fight, we'll fight. So it's, I mean, it's, you there's, can, there's many you can, there's many links in pop culture from I was about to say not only that but the the influence that that's had on just in that aspect on the economy mm-hmm. and on the media yeah um it, it it's staggering how far the reach goes mm-hmm. with that um I mean when when MLK it, was marching. He probably never imagined that there would be a day where we would have a, a black president, and we did. Oh, for sure. And thinking about back at that point in time, I mean, imagine what type of media coverage that sort of stuff would be garnering. Mm. I mean, that would be the types of things that you would actually hear about on the radio at that point in time because it was very prominent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the reach that people had with uh, uh, radio more so than television during those times um, because print wouldn't reach that far because, you know, somebody would have to pick up a telephone or send a telegraph or whatever. Um, telephone, telegraph, telefriend, you know, means yep. of travel to get stories out and stuff like that. But uh, things happening in, in Montgomery, Alabama weren't really talked about in, you know, Montana or no. New York or whatever, nowhere near as much. Um, but as something like this wound up gaining a lot of notice because anytime there's any sort of mass gathering of anybody anywhere, people are going to take notice. And it's going to be written about and then eventually talked about. And if it gets to be big enough, you know, as long as we're you know up to speed in terms of technology, it's going to be talked about. Uh, and today, could you imagine if if he would have existed today in this oh. capacity? Um, one of the people that I think, uh, or or multiple people that I think embodies his ideology most right now in terms of political figures, and I, I hate myself for the fact that I can't remember the name right now, but the recent uh, African American representatives. From the state of Tennessee, uh, that were yeah. uh, the Tennessee three, yeah. yeah, and then uh, of course elected back in, mm-hmm. and their 
their thoughts and ideals and everything else are, are very progressive trying to actually move forward with, you know, making changes, making advancements for the better. Mm -hmm. And you've got people in politics that are still, that were there during this time. And you'd think that, you know, with as much change as they're trying to make at that point in time, that they would more welcomely accept people trying to make change of that stature today. But it, it seems to be the exact opposite. Yeah. No, you would you would think. You would absolutely think. Um, I think if he existed today, I think he would be thrilled with how far we've come, but know that there's still so far to go. Right. Before, I mean, even Garth Brooks's song, you know, we won't be free until, you know, um, until the the last thing we notice is the color of skin. Then, right. then we never really, and, and to be fair, I mean, I don't think we ever really will reach that kind of like utopian society. Um, and I think, I, I think that you don't really want to reach a utopian society because then you can't grow past that. Um, so I think right. as long as there's that hate and that racism and that bigotry in the world, we can continue as allies to marginalized societies to fight against it. Um, as much as I would absolutely love for it to be gone and never to hear or see another racist xenophobic comment again. Um, I am afraid that this world will never be that perfect. Sadly. No, God, no. Um, I think even if you were to create your own commune within this world and have people of every different, you know, there would still at some point in time, just because of human nature, be some sort of dissension, yeah. uh, some sort of, of non-harmonious existence, uh, um, just raw emotion mm -hmm. at some point in time, jealousy, whatever the case may be, most animalistic instincts on some particular subject would wind up kicking in and there would be some form of dissension. And it's even evident amongst animals. I mean, oh. you won't even see a pack of animals that have a complete harmonious nature. Um, you know, there's not a, a, a day that goes by that one of them is not pissed off at the other one. Can they live in a, you know, somewhat harmonious nature? Yes, but it's not, you know, uh, completely, uh, as you put it, uh, utopian. Yeah. Uh, because to have that, uh, uh, if you want to go off the biblical reference, um, Adam and Eve, you know, they couldn't even take it. They had to, you know, they had everything they would ever need. They yeah. had all this beautiful, wonderful, lavish stuff, had nothing to worry about. Um, but they were told, don't do this one thing. And uh, uh, now I want to do it. <laughs> and then, then my thought process goes into, 
and this is kind of where I, I I get the cold shoulder from from family members and stuff like that. Is if we were made in God's image, then that that baser instinct is is part of God too. So, but then that makes God fallible, and then that creates a complete vortex and oh, all yeah. that other stuff. So, uh, we don't get that far into it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but no. Um, as as far as the the impact that that Doctor King has had, it it it's another one that, of course, does not transcend time. Almost it seems as much as women's suffrage has. Mm -hmm. However, um, he is someone who has definitely been a part of women's suffrage and definitely did his part uh, to try to. Sally forth, I guess uh, you could say, mm -hmm. um, more for the rights of women as well as people of color through all of his civil rights uh, movement, activities, ideals, uh, marches, speeches, uh, all of it. Mm. Absolutely, I think uh, I think we're a better country for the the part that he played and for the the moves that he made um uh, as i said i still wish that we were in a better place and we didn't have to deal with uh racism still today um but the moves that dr king made uh and his father made and his grandfather made um slowly got us on the path to at least where we are today where it is a bit better um, and I, I would, I would, you know, if there was, if there was one thing I could say to him today is that, um, like you said, you laid the groundwork, man. And some of these things that have happened, some of these leaders we have today, like Barack Obama, Raphael Warnock, the Tennessee three is because of the steps you took of the miles you walked and the hours you spent in prison and the abuse you took all that was worth it. And all of this is what makes him truly a legend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and that actually brings us to about time for this episode. Uh, there is something that I do kind of want to ask uh, over on the Patreon side, and it might okay. be a little small Patreon uh, yeah. for this one. So we'll have to see whether or not we'll add this particular question to the next one. Uh, but we'll definitely be able to get you guys some Patreon content for uh, what will be this episode, if nothing else. Uh, some of the stuff, some of the B-roll lead-in yeah. uh, before we started actually recording this, because we did have a little bit of good conversation there. Yeah, uh, albeit it was uh, just a few minutes, but there's still some there. But yeah, I do have something that I do want to ask you concerning this uh, that I think would be a little bit better suited for over there. So, absolutely. Well, that is going to be it for us, legends. Thank you for tuning in. We, if you, however, if you are a Patreon member, you're going to hear more of us here in a few minutes. But for those of you that aren't Patreon members, the easiest way to do so is to go to TLD studio 66.com 
scroll on over to the support. That'll take you to our Patreon page and how you can become a Patreon member for as small as a cup of coffee a month. However, there are some tiers, and one of those things that you are going to get to participate in, based off the tier that you are, is after-episode conversation. Deeper dives into our topic, or post-show talk, pre-show talk, and full uncuts, deleted scenes, bloopers, behind-the-scenes footage, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but yeah, that's going to be it for this. Uh, a, a big uh, shout-out in memory and in history and in legend to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, on this day, his birthday. And uh, thank you for, for paving the way for, for many Americans uh, in your time, in the miles that you marched. Thank you for tuning in, legends. Stay kind to yourself, stay kind to others, and cheers to you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Between Two Barrels. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information about what's happening with any of the Studio 66 shows, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, click the thumbs up, whatever you have to do to make sure you get your fill of this legendary content. To do so, search Studio 66 on Facebook or Instagram or the Studio 66 playlist on YouTube from Tennessee Legend Distillery. You can also subscribe to our Patreon channel, patreon.com slash tldstudio66, for additional content for all of the Studio 66 shows, as well as gifts from the different Studio 66 podcasts and Tennessee Legend Distillery. And if that wasn't enough, you can also visit our website, tldstudio66.com, where you can find links to all of the shows and podcasts, as well as merchandise for all of the individual podcasts. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. Heck, you can even leave us a voicemail if you like via SpeakPipe, or send us an email at tldtube23 at gmail.com. However you go about it, Make sure you don't miss out on getting even more legendary info about the studio, as well as the distillery from Studio 66, presented by Tennessee Legend Distillery.